right, welcome to another episode of the Streaking the Lawn podcast. Mixing things up a little bit this week. My name's still Pierce, as it usually is, but uh, Paul is back on the podcast uh, instead of Caroline. No, no darns, but, but Paul, how's it going? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well. And we have an exciting guest joining us this week. And I, I really want to jump right into it because I think we're going to get a lot of uh, interesting content for, for you guys who are listening. So, Paul, why don't you go ahead and introduce our guest and we'll get going. Yeah, absolutely. So those of you who are, are, are into college basketball Twitter and, and into the X's and O's side of the game probably already know our, our guest today, Jordan Sperber, the founder of, of Hoop Vision. So Jordan, welcome to the podcast. Thank you guys for having me, Paul and Pierce. I, I appreciate it. Excited to, to talk some Virginia hoops. Yeah, no, we're, we're very thankful for you uh, to, to join us and set some time aside to really get into the X's and O's. It's stuff I very much love. Nothing I will claim to be an expert about, though. <laughs> so <laughs> excited to learn some from you. But uh, before we really get into that, Jordan, for the, you know, the folks who are listening who might not be uh, the Twitter disciples uh, yet, uh, wh- why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about and, and how you got into going through the X's and O's about collegiate basketball? Yep. So, um, I, as, as you guys said, I run a business called hoop vision, which actually started the, the name of it, not necessarily as a business, but just as a hobby when I was in mm-hmm. high school. Um, and so I started, I started a blog and a Twitter account, um, with the hoop vision name in high school, uh, and then got a little bit more serious with it in college. It was really at the time, the thing that, uh, I could, do somewhat well was analytic stuff and data, data work. Um, and so that was kind of the focus, but I was really into X's and O's as well and trying to do that. Um, and that led to, uh, getting hired, um, by a couple of D one teams. So I was a grad assistant, um, on Eric Musselman's staff Mm -hmm. at university of Nevada, and then a video coordinator for two years at New Mexico state. Um, again, kind of hired for analytics, but yeah. naturally over working three years in, in coaching and, and directly with our assistant coaches and our head coaches and scouting and X's and O's and that type of stuff. Um, I got more comfortable in that area. And so I left New Mexico state to, to relaunch hoop vision. This is year three now, cool. um, kind of being the X's and O's and analytics college basketball analyst almost on, on the internet. It's a excellent resource to really quickly and, and detailedly learn more about what's really going on. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us can can do the water cooler talk about different types of offenses. And certainly Virginia fans are well versed in explaining a pack like defense. Mm-hmm. But uh, I got to think that UVA in, in Coach Bennett's way of a. I don't know, approaching different systems and, and tinkering with lineups to really talk about efficiency has to be a really interesting team for you to follow and to analyze and, and to pick apart uh, how, how he's done it differently over the past few seasons. And certainly we're thankful for all the Virginia content. I know we were talking before we started recording that, that you're focusing a lot on UVA over the past couple of years. Yeah, no doubt. The, the part you said first, I mean, they are stylistically and schematically very unique Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of perfect for the type of stuff that I do. Uh, The, the, the national championship year was, was my first year. And that was when they started using the the continuity ball screen stuff. Mm -hmm. And it really started as I was charting and tweeting live game in game, like at halftime, 
how many times they ran blocker mover, how many times they ran continuity ball. And it was really good for me. It kind of showcased the data and analytics stuff that I, that I do. Um, They were really good, you know, top five team all year, won the national championship. I remember. And yeah, yeah, I would imagine that you guys probably remember that pretty well. Um, And, and then also we, we talked about this, the, the Virginia fan base I've, I've noticed has a big appetite for, uh, for that type of, um, analysis analysis and content has been well received yeah i when i when i first started doing this i i called up a couple writers like national writers and i was kind of pulling them on like what fan bases do you think um initially i was going to just pick one team and kind of stick to that and and so i had a lot of discussion and i remember sam vicini who writes for the athletic Mm -hmm. speaking pretty highly of virginia it did it's not like this was then months later when I started doing Virginia stuff. Okay. Um, but he was absolutely right. And also uh, on uh, Ken Pomeroy's website, mm-hmm. you can see how many people are fans of, of a uh, team, yep. like selected as fans. And you know, I, like I'm not a fan of a team on my Ken Pom account. So, uh-huh. you know, it's it, it, not everyone does it, but I think that Virginia is pretty close to the top, if not at the top. And I've noticed like that list is pretty indicative of how my content does, you know, Makes like sense. the, and so I don't know, it's, it's uh, meta about, about Virginia uh, fandom, I guess. I, I love it. I'm sure it's, it's, I think it's probably no coincidence that as I've, as I've looked at it over the years, Virginia and Wisconsin tend to have a fairly disproportionate presence at the top of that list. That's like, this is the, this was the first service to say that the way these two schools play basketball <laughs> is not just okay, but is in True. fact good. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, they, they respect the points per possession instead of points per game uh, approach to things. So. And Kempom's been that's a good on point. the podcast before, uh, and he's a hokey. So I mean, you know, mm. you, he he laughs and he, he he says he's objective, but I think he's just secretly <laughs> a UVA fan. Whatever in his his mathematical analysis until last season's offense. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the number one ranked defense, so there you go. It yeah. has to work out that way. But let, let's get into it about this season and and the who's because we've got you on here to to really talk about some. Sp- stark changes to the offense uh, and then a, a quick reversion back in the, mm. the last one. Obviously it's been a, a mixed start for the who's and uh, while we're used to coach Bennett coming in and, and messing around with lineups and maybe not blowing out uh, the, every single opponent early on, because you can see that he's, he's tinkering, he's trying to see what fits. And that was really obvious in the third game the who's have played uh, when he threw out two different total five-man lineups but my point being getting upset by san francisco while surprising wasn't the craziest result because we're sort of used to seeing these as like practices or scrimmages almost or or preparation for the acc and this is a season where they didn't get those scrimmages and probably Mm -hmm. didn't get a lot uh, of of the the standard practice to begin with so this is all my long-winded version of saying introduce a little to the folks listening at home who, who might not really have keyed into the offensive differences that Tony and company have been throwing out uh, so far this season. Yeah. Well, I guess the first place to start is probably the national championship year where they, Virginia had uh, Tony's father, Dick Bennett invented mm-hmm. the blocker mover offense, the the creator of that offense. And that's pretty much been as far as I know, anyways, I guess I'm not a historian of Tony Bennett's <laughs> career, but as far as I know, that's been pretty much his offense that mm-hmm. he's run at Washington state at Virginia. Um, 
and the I, Rob Doster wrote a, a really good article on this um, about losing the UMBC game and being some type of a, of a reason for change sure. getting getting into a, uh, the continuity ball screen offense which i would imagine that a lot of your audience has at least heard about from someone you know on twitter <laughs> or your website or you know um and so if if you go back to that 2018 um it interestingly i remember after they won the national championship i made a video it's on youtube called mm-hmm. Um, how Virginia won the national championship. And I wasn't covering Virginia that much early in the season. So I kind of retroactively watched the first few games to make that video. And the first game of the season, they started in continuity ball screen and they like didn't score. I'm, you know, a little bit fuzzy here, but they didn't, I want to say they didn't score for four or five minutes in the game. Um, And then they went back to blocker mover for like the rest of the game. Mm -hmm. And really the whole, uh, non-conference play was mostly blocker mover. They had clearly been working on this new offense, um, but they didn't, they didn't commit to it. And I the, the game that's sticking out right now is Duke um, that year. Duke started switching all screens yes, in the blocker right, mover really right. kind of messed them up. And that's, that was, you know, I think Jay Huff had a really good game that game who wasn't playing very much th- that season and in, in the continuity ball screen mm-hmm. and really, it just kind of increased more and more, not every game necessarily, Mm -hmm. but on the whole, on average, they started using that offense more and more. And so this season they haven't shown continuity ball screen at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, maybe that's out of the playbook at this point. Uh, It's hard to say, but what they did show was a new offense that I've been calling read and react. Um, I don't know what Virginia's calling it yet. We'll probably find out at some point. I've seen <laughs> but, uh, fives thrown around a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that makes sense. And and oh, yeah, for the record, blocker mover they call sides. Um, right, right, right. You'll, you'll see them kind of signal uh, sides. Um, and so I, I, they, they ran they ran five or read and react uh, quite a bit in these first two games. Obviously. Uh, the, the loss to San Francisco there, there was blocker mover within those games as well. I actually mm-hmm. thought that it looked pretty, pretty good when, although everything looked good in the opener. Yeah. And, and, uh, but after the loss in, in their third game here, which I just watched today, mm-hmm. um, it was all back to blocker mover. I think there might've been, two or three possessions of of the read and react at around the under eight timeout in the second half but it was mm-hmm. you know the game was over pretty much at, at that point and um it looked really good now saint francis was pretty bad defensively like it was <laughs> they, it was man i the way that they were playing kind of made sense within how saint francis normally plays defensively but the i was i just kept waiting for them to adjust a little bit and it, and it didn't happen. So, you know, uh, it, it, my, my whole point to that, that long story is I'm not, I, just because they abandoned it for this game, I'm mm-hmm. not exactly convinced that we won't see read and react <laughs> moving forward, yeah, you sure. know, um, whether it will take over like continuity ball screen did that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, I, it's very similar, I think to two years ago. 
So in your in the the Hoop Vision newsletter, which is where I I, I saw you start to break this down for the first time, um, you mentioned a, talked a little bit about some of sort of the the backstory of this offense. So so what can you sh- you know I think a lot of us as as UVA fans we knew the you know the Bennett the Bennett family offense being being the yep. blocker mover. Uh, so what's kind of the backstory of this come from and, and how did it find its way to uh, to UVA? Um, yeah, so. I'm calling it read and react because uh, um, a pretty popular offense, especially maybe 10, 15 years ago, um, it's it's kind of a combination of read and react and dribble drive motion, which dribble drive Mm -hmm. motion is what John Calipari was famous for at at Memphis. Like a lot of teams call that offense Memphis. And one of the things that Virginia is doing besides all the cutting when they run that offense is it is a lot of going downhill, trying to drive downhill much more so than in blocker mover, you know, blocker movers running in a circle kind of. (laughs) Um, And uh, so there, I, I think that it's been overstated a little bit, like how revolutionary the, the read and react offense is. However, there is a division three team um, St. Joseph's they're, they're in Maine, um, who, who, uh, was using some of those concepts that, that are older, but within the context of modern three point shooting and spacing, and they've had a ton of success since switching to that offense at the D three, um, level, they were close to the top in, in the country in, in, uh, offensive efficiency, you know, like the year after they made the change. And I, ended up kind of doing some reporting almost um, because I I have heard that people that a coach that was involved in implementing the offense for St. Joe's was involved at least to an extent in implementing this with Tony Bennett and the staff. Mm -hmm. I don't have the full picture, but I have like confirmed it enough through a couple different sources (laughs) that I think it's true. Um, I'm I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not Jeff Goodman or John Rothstein, you know, breaking (laughs) news here. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of the the backstory there. Um, and I, to briefly explain the offense, um, the especially the way St. Joe's runs it, which we still haven't seen enough from from Virginia yet to really mm-hmm. know, you know, sure. where they're going to differentiate. Or, um, mm-hmm. but there's not so many screens, you know, especially ball screens. Not so, it's a lot of cutting, um, and you're you, you're all you're optimizing spacing at like at every single point. So when someone dribbles to the left, everyone's moving in accordance to how that, how that player just dribbled. Mm -hmm. And practically speaking for Virginia, the thing that it was resulting in a lot in San Francisco game was throwing it into the mid post, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like the block area is the low post. So you're extended out closer to the three point line. Um, Hauser had a pretty good game there um, in the mid post, but they've been using, Kihei Clark in there when they run the offense they've been using um McCoy um Mm -hmm. and uh and Jay Huff a little bit but but not as much Mm -hmm. um and and yeah that's that's kind of like the the very basics and definitely even with the when they were running continuity ball screen that evolved over the course of the season you know they started adding in a little bit more um options and things like that so it's early I'm I am kind of neutral on it. I don't necessarily have like a strong opinion either way. Well, I know you mentioned a few or the main reason things may have gone wrong against San Francisco relying on that mid post. 
you know, I think that any layman would know that's the least efficient place to score. Right. And like modern basketball on a whole has gotten totally away from, you know, the lost art of the mid range jumper. It sort of seems like Hauser is created to make those. Uh, but we'll go ahead and, and throw up for our buddy Will at the blog. Kihei Clark is not uh, necessarily <laughs> made to make those. So they, they get into this rut. Did you see anything that San Francisco is particularly doing to, you know, defensively attack this type of motion? And that's why? Yeah, so San Francisco, I think, is pretty good defensively. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, they, they, their guards are, are small, um, Shabazz and Bouye, they're, they're small, but, uh, but they're good defensively. Even San Francisco a year or two ago, um, had a really good offensive team and those guys were coming off the bench. They lost their good offensive players, but they, they didn't take a step back because, mm-hmm. you know, they, they kind of, um, they took a step forward defensively. And so they could guard the ball pretty well, which mm-hmm. like that was in the first game, they were uh Towson was struggling to guard the ball and Virginia shot the ball really well I mean sure. you know to to their credit um the other thing about San Francisco is they are a very analytically savvy staff and team mm. um and they take away the three-point line um and so I think that's whether or not this was specific to Virginia like a game plan thing or just how they play defense um I think that with that mid post stuff, if you just don't help, you know, that's don't give up those cuts. So when they throw the ball to the mid post, there's two people cutting someone underneath the hoop, someone on the weak side. And so, you know, you can't give that up. That's, that's a layup. If you give right. that up. Uh, and, and to me, Hauser is the only one who you might not want taking that shot. It depends what the alternative is, but, but if it's Clark or McCoy, you know, you're probably fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that was something that definitely helped San Francisco, whether or not it was like intentional or just what they always do. Makes sense. Yeah. Kind of, kind of piggybacking off of that. The ACC is a conference that has a lot of very distinctive defensive styles that you've got, obviously the, the infamous two, three zone with, with Bayheim that he, you know, the, he does so much, so many different things within that sort of, you know, archetype. And you've got a team like Florida state that's really physical up in your jock, you know, pressure, pressure type defense and, and just about everything in between. Um, are there particular defensive styles that, this read and react offense is going to be particularly well-suited to attack versus ones that it's particularly not, you know, I, I could see it being against a zone offense, a, a zone defense, you know, the cutters, but you know, the, the, some of the blocker mover concepts don't work as well because guys aren't trying to aren't, aren't running hard into screens because they're willing to just hand the guy off to the next zone. You know, how does, how does this sort of motion cutting type offense play against some of those defensive styles? So I think the, just thinking about this kind of hypothetically teams that are very aggressive should be more vulnerable to, to cutting and Mm -hmm. to, you know, motion and like Florida state comes to mind as a team that is very aggressive. I mean, they, they're, they might be like the, the team you think of either them or West Virginia when, when you're thinking of like a deny aggressive team, that being said, Florida state's really good defensively, (laughs) you know? And so, uh, that's the beyond what scheme you're running, like how good you are is, is much more important. That doesn't mean that like marginally speaking, your scheme might come into play, but a good example of this would be St. Francis 
who actually runs like the Texas Tech no middle defense. Uh, they just don't have the players. You sure. know, yeah, like they, yeah. so they're they're running that system. It's just uh, it's a little bit different. Texas Tech versus St. Francis. Um, so yeah, I mean Duke is honestly another team that uh, that denies quite a bit and, and is aggressive. I think they've had a lot of success in the past against Virginia switching everything. That's, yeah, that's right. really messed them up, which that, that's this whole switching thing doesn't become that relevant. Um, if you're running read and react, there's not as much to switch to basically. Um, but uh, yeah, if, I guess if you, if you talk about blocker mover, um, Duke's been able to shut that down a little bit in the past. It seems like last year's team for the who's, well, it doesn't seem like it. we know they really struggled to score uh, at times. And a lot of that coincided with their ability to shoot from the outside. We know Hauser brings that. And we know Walden Tensei has at times brought that and, and certainly looked good uh, in the third game against um, St. Francis. I'm curious how these this guard turnaround in Virginia's offense can consistently find that out outside shooting. And if you see either of, of those main styles, the new style of, of the fives or, or the old style of the blocker mover, I don't know, helping comfortable, consistent three-point shooting. Uh, I guess they're both designed to do that successfully, but in your looking at the team, do you see, do you get a feel that one might be better suited even with just th- this year's personnel? Yeah. Um, any offense that you run is going to be, helped tremendously by being able to space <laughs> space the floor and shoot you know like sure i i get a lot of coaches that ask me sort of advice on their teams and one of my favorite ones that they ask is like what offense should i run if i don't have shooters it's like you know <laughs> <laughs> it's like i mean you need to, you need to pay me for that one yeah you know? like, <laughs> um but but uh I, I it's a good question and as it relates to these two offenses there's a, the the term positionless basketball mm-hmm. um, is is very common and more than ever true. So you know, 20, 30 years ago, you had a back to the basket five man who could not really dribble the ball very well and certainly didn't shoot threes. And so that's what people mean when they say positionless. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a little bit overstated. So for instance, the blocker mover offense is as positioned as possible right you literally have the blockers and the movers and the blockers do the complete opposite of what the movers do (laughs) it's not it's not necessarily like you're playing like it doesn't really matter that you're playing center or power forward or whatever but the blockers set screens and the movers run off those screens now the the difference with this new offense is it is positionless, you know, Mm -hmm. they, they, there's kind of like a creator, I guess, uh, you know, whoever they're, they're using to isolate in that mid post or, or it's not always in the mid post. Um, but the other four players are all being treated equally and really all five players are being treated equally within the system. Um, and that's the way basketball is trending because you have people like Jay Huff, you know, who, who shoot threes and can attack closeouts and, and dunk off the dribble and things like that. Um, but it's not always necessarily a good thing. That was kind of one of the points that mm-hmm. I made in, in my newsletter. If with Jack Salt, 
if we use Jack Salt as an example, you can't run what they're running with Jack gotcha. Salt. No one's going to guard them out on the perimeter. You know, it's going to clog the paint. It wouldn't be an option that you just wouldn't run that offense with Jack Salt. Right. But, and, and with Jay Huff, you absolutely can. But the, but the thing that I said is, should you, you know, like he's, he's pretty good at, he's, he's actually really good at when a slower big comes out on him, he can pump fake and then drive by. But like there was, I've seen a couple of times and he actually scored off off the play in, I remember in one game where he's almost like stationary and isolating out on the perimeter. That's very different than like a closeout situation, you know, Mm, where he's, he, he's has an built in advantage to start basically. Mm. Um, And what, what continuity ball screen was so good about for him was he's rolling to the basket off a ball screen, which he's one of the best rollers in the country just because of how tall he is and, (laughs) you know, pretty coordinated too with those reverse dunks that he does off the roll. Like he probably has more reverse dunks than (laughs) the whole country combined, I think in the last two years. Um, And so he can roll to the basket, but then they don't keep him down there in continuity. He comes back up to the three point line. And it's like that moving in and out of the paint is perfect for him. Maybe not for the whole team, but it's perfect for him. And you kind of lose that a little bit when you turn him into essentially a guard, you know, that's, or, I mean, there, there are no, in that offense, there are no guards. There are no, it's everyone's the same. Um, And that's something that, that uh, stuck out to me. Did you see him in particular maybe look less comfortable running it? I mean, obviously it's a new offense. Everybody's taking time to learn it and doing it live and it's not going to be as familiar. But to me, just looking at Jay running in that offense, I don't know, maybe it's just the shots weren't going in, but he seemed like like the way what you, you were so used to watching teams learn the pack line defense and you can see it when it like clicks with them and they're comfortable just running it instead of thinking about it and thinking about what to do right. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting part of not using it at all last yeah. game is like realistically you would you would probably want to get the experience you know um get, getting more game reps using the offense i there were there were a few coaches that responded to my article like just give them some time and I, sure. the article wasn't even negative but <laughs> uh, you know just just you know give them some time it's early on um and that's that's sort of like fundamentally what tony bennett is as a coach is they're going to you're going to do what you do you know, there's, yeah. especially, you know, he's been tinkering a little bit in the last, in the last few years, but he's a system coach. I mean, with the defense, no doubt, you know, right. you, you know, they're going to hedge ball screens. It's they're just, they're just going to execute it. You know, it's not. Um, and, and, uh, and that's what makes his teams always so good is, is mm-hmm. the, the execution. Um, and so it is kind of weird to see like the growing pains of, of a new style. Mm-hmm. I can't say I specifically noticed Huff. I think that he tends to like to be out on, on the perimeter, to be mm-hmm. honest with you, mm-hmm. like just, you know, wh- whether or not it's like his, his best skill set. I, I, I think he probably likes it out there. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I would just like to see, I, I'm, I, I've seen, I think some Virginia fans, kind of get angry about him not posting up enough and, you know, using his size. And I don't necessarily think that's the answer either. I think it's yeah. moderate, you know, everything in moderation, everything in balance. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> I do like the idea of changing blocker mover to Jack salt mover. Cause he probably, 
<laughs> you know, was ordained <laughs> by, by the divine providence of this is a blocker. <laughs> and, and the, you shall be blocking at all times. Yeah, and Francisco Cafaro, but that, that's I've, as I've been thinking about this, like I've bar- we've barely seen Cafaro this season, right. mm-hmm. and it's, the, who, I'm, I'm realizing who's it's the, who's the backup five now who's playing Shedrick. behind Caden Shedrick. Yeah, he's been he's been okay. Um, I didn't know him at all. Is he a freshman? He redshirted last year, and and he was a a, a four star guy. They just they had Mamadi. They had yep, uh, and he was so skinny when he came in. Like yeah, even <laughs> even for Virginia big standards, even yeah. compared to Mamadi, even compared to Jay Huff, Shedrick was really kind of underweight when he came in. But he came I mean, he came in more with the reputation. I, I remember seeing a couple of of the recruiting folks say Shedrick might be the best defensive recruit coming out of high school that Tony's ever gotten, uh, which is fairly high praise given some of the guys that have come before. So um, there was definitely, he was one of those needed to develop his offensive game. And and I think that's, that's going to be interesting to see how his development comes along or the fact that he's already maybe jumped Kafaro who had a lot of game experience last year, filling that Jack Salt blocker role, you know, for an off season that kind of wasn't this year for a guy like Shedrick, all of a sudden, kind of jumping up the totem pole may indicate that there is more of a shift in Tony's mind, at least of, I got to get this kid on the floor because if we're going to keep running this offense, mm-hmm. if, you know, if Jay gets in foul trouble, the guy that I'm bringing off the bench to do it is, is Shedrick obviously doesn't have the same skill set, but something analogous. Um, I think that those you know, obviously we're three games into the season. All of this is reading tea leaves um, and, and trying to grasp at small sample sizes. But I, I think it's, it's interesting to kind of see how the playing patterns have, have shaken out with those two guys specifically mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. their skill sets complement such two different offenses. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, there's a lot more depth than last year in sure. general. I was surprised that, uh, that will intense. I wasn't starting to, to start the season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, he kind of saved their offense a little bit at the end, <laughs> at the end of last yeah, year for sure. from that Carolina I, game on. Yeah. 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 And I, I took that to mean they don't like his defense. Not that I know that, but I just figured that's probably what it is. That's probably um, a safe generally a good explanation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, yeah, well, I will say I, I watched a bunch of the defense over the summer for a project that I was working on. And I didn't realize how good uh, Braxton key was defensively. Yeah. I knew yeah. Diakite was, was one of the best defenders in the country, but, but key was right there with them for sure. Uh, obviously Huff is Huff is very good as a rim protector. Um, and so one thing that I thought going into the season was they, they're going to have, they're going to be able to, to be competent offensively this year for sure yeah. with, you know, Hauser and whatever, but the key was going to be to find the lineup that kind of balances out the defense with the offense. Yep. And I don't, I don't necessarily have a good feel right now, like yeah. what that, what that lineup is. Um, but that, that is, that is part of, of uh, if you only look at one side of the ball, if you only look at offense, you can you can sacrifice your defense by, yeah, by playing certain sure. players so it, it does kind of and we know that that they're going to prioritize defense for the most part that's mccoy seems like he kind of might be that guy that, that there's of if you look at you know, the offense that kind of rolled out for for the thousand game and 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 uh i think he's has he started all three games i'm not sure but he's he's kind of in that braxton key isaiah wilkins akil mitchell kind of like can guard kind of one through four or, or maybe two through five, depending on various sizes, but he's, he's got that real versatility that seems to be 
you know, what that role calls for. And if, if he's, you know, a plus offensive player compared to where some of those guys are, that gives even more of that offensive versatility. Um, you know, not, not that Akil or, or Isaiah were offensive slouches, but it just wasn't the focus of their game. Um, yeah. And it was, you know, half a step behind them on defense, but a step ahead of them on offense. Yeah. That might be, that might be the new Virginia we see this year. And then I guess the other guy at that position is Trey Murphy. Trey, Trey's his first name, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, he had the big game shooting uh, in, in game number one. He was in, in yesterday's game, he was a blocker in, in the blocker mover. Mm-hmm. He was setting screens, um, which I think he's capable of being a mover as well in terms mm-hmm. of shooting off, off those screens. Uh, it's kind of tough. Hauser has to be a mover there. So if he's, you right. know, it, you, you, but um, yeah, he's, he's another one. He, uh, he, he, he has like the typical Virginia length, you know, like that, that's yeah. one of the reasons why the pack line is so good. They're just all, they're always so long, but he, I, I haven't watched him enough defensively yet, but he's, he's pretty skinny. Um, and I'm curious to see, he had a really big game, um, but he would be he would be he would be someone that could swing the the how good they are. I, I think he's got a nice looking shot. It it yeah. certainly helps when they all go yeah. in like in the first game. <laughs> shot looks great, uh, but came back down to earth a little in the in the in the second two. But I I think the 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 lineup adjustments or or doing this whole like orange squad blue squad or whatever they're gonna call it back to that Kentucky five-star parade from a few years ago where it was just the blue team <laughs> and the white team that Calipari threw out. I can't imagine that's what's going on, but I think this whole discussion really points to this weird challenge in front of coach Bennett this year, which is what is the rotation going to be? Cause there's so many new faces and difficulties that only sort of got addressed last year. Obviously they had a successful season towards the end, but then they lose Mamadi who's irreplaceable and, and, and same goes for keys. So I, you know, <laughs> in a year where you barely got to practice and didn't get the scrimmage, like I said at the beginning, that that's going to be a lot of this is him figuring out who's going to win us the most games and, and work for us. And he doesn't know exactly, you know, Murphy just got the waiver to play right before right. tip off for the first game, you know, so right. he, how how much evidence are you are the who's going to have to build to get an idea of what's going to work best. And that's, that's impossible to say, I think. Yeah, as as they started when, rolling out that platoon look yesterday, or the in the in the third yeah. game, I was joking with one of my friends that it, it that it would be just about the most diabolical thing ever if Tony had basically said, "All right, these are my six guys who run blocker mover. These are my six guys who run this new offense, and we're going <laughs> to run platoons with different offenses based on who's in." And it's like, <laughs> great, you figured out which six guys run which thing. You know it's coming, but you can't stop it because they're fresh off the bench and make every team, com- you know, prepare for two completely different offenses. But you know, this this might I be the first there. year there actually is that depth on the on the yeah. bench, and there's you know distinct playing styles for different guys as well as guys that are really versatile play multiple positions play multiple styles so it you know i i'm tony knows what he's doing and far be it from uh me to suggest that he do it a particular way but it was just man that would be evil to just have, have two <laughs> different offenses come on the court every game it's weird that he hasn't called and asked us for i know, you know, this I know. <laughs> but, uh, keep dming him and just yeah. nothing yeah. <laughs> it is funny you say that though um 
because one thing I was thinking about while watching St. Francis not adjust to anything defensively was that, well, <laughs> maybe they prepared for the other offense, right. you know, like, um, I mean, I can't imagine Virginia had run blocker mover enough in those first two games that they had sure. definitely gone over it. Um, but it, it was going, you know, it gives you more to have to prepare for as, as a defense. So, you know, maybe that, maybe that had a little bit of, of help. And like, like we said, the front court, talent is is easily deeper than we've ever seen under Bennett here um but also very diverse and so when you're relying on guys who might bring better I mean if, if we're if we're handing out uh needs improvement awards for the defense it is Sam Hauser <laughs> for me right away but he's such a, a prolific shooter you gotta have him out there I mean it's obvious uh, yeah. it's just gonna it's gonna require maybe every lineup a new idea of exactly how we do how do we not not maybe running a different thing but how do we run it when it's sam and jay versus justin mccoy and and shedrick or or whatnot Mm. it'll be awesome hopefully uh to see how it develops but jordan before we uh, let go and i know i could talk about this for days probably I, i would like to get your thoughts a little bit about the greater landscape um, across college basketball, maybe maybe specifically the ACC, who you know we see uh, Carolina play some tough games and get some uh, referee assistance to beat Stanford. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we saw Duke, you know, take it on the chin a little bit uh, in the second half, particularly uh, against Michigan State. What uh, what are we seeing in the conference this year? What what do you like, um, you know, for some of these contenders with Virginia, and maybe if you've put in the time to some of the bottom dwellers, are, are, are we going to see less of like the top four or five and then a bunch of cake uh, or maybe a little more parody in the middle? Yeah. Well, starting at the top, um, North Carolina is a funny one because we're talking about the positionless basketball mm-hmm. thing they're they're as positioned as there is in, in college basketball. Still it's, there's a, there's a really big trend right now. Um, to running five out stuff kind of like mm-hmm. like Virginia and and North Carolina is not doing that at <laughs> all um, and it works I mean they, they just they they kill you on the offensive glass it's yeah. just it's like jarring at this point kind of yeah. to, to to watch their style um, but they're they're clearly a lot better than than last year's team for sure I think it's similar to to Virginia's offense in, as North Carolina as a whole, just like how much better is, yeah. <laughs> is you know, figuring that out. Um, Kessler looks du- really good. Walker yep. Kessler. Duke. Uh, yeah. The, I mean, I don't know the freshmen that well, to, mm-hmm. to be honest with you, but the, the upperclassmen are still playing quite a bit, <laughs> which isn't necessarily the best sign, you know, um, yeah. that's, I, I, uh, it's kind of Jordan Goldwire for, for Duke has been a serviceable player, no doubt in, in the last couple of years. But I, I, whenever I see him playing, it's like, you know, I would have thought they would have recruited over him at this point, you know? Um, and he, yeah. he, he, he's pretty good defensively. Um, but, but yeah, so that, I don't know the freshman that well, but that gives me sort of a feel for the, the overall talent level that they have. Um, and yeah, Florida state hasn't played yet. So there's, <laughs> there's some, uh, some COVID for you, I guess. Um, and page out of their football team's book. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Louisville, Louisville is, uh, they'll play, who do they, they have someone coming up here. 
they play Wisconsin next week, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm curious to see, to see them. They've had some injuries. Um, and I think that they're going to be pretty good again. Oh, Virginia tech is definitely a team that yeah. I've watched. Uh, they looked really, really good last November too, when, when they played in the Maui. Right. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, definitely taking that a little bit with a grain of salt, but, uh, their coach, Mike Young, is one of the best offensive coaches in the country. It's it's honestly hard to watch them and not like get too enthusiastic about them. If you're an X's and O's fan, I guess. Sure, you know, sure. like because they run really good stuff. Um, and we'll see, we'll see exactly. And and then at the bottom of the league, you know, Boston College looked really good against Villanova, yeah. even though they lost the game. Um, and their guards, especially, were like blowing by Villanova uh, Villanova guards. Mm -hmm. Um, but I still think it's fairly weak at at the bottom uh, again this year. Um, yeah, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's been at the top, you know, one of the best leagues. Um, but it's hard. Some of those other, um, schools, it's hard to win at because of how good the top of the conference is there, you know, it's, it's tough. And you don't have to like, single out any bad coaches josh passer or anything you know <laughs> that, that, that would be indicative of that but uh it, it's hard to climb up when when the top competition above you is so good what is it about mike young's system uh, mm-hmm. that, that excites x's and o's guys yes yeah, so he would be like your favorite coach's favorite coach, you know, like, he, you know, like that type of thing. That sounds like where, Tony Bennett. That, true. True. Classic. That's, that's a good point. That's a good point. Um, it's, it's very different from they're both, you would, you, they're both good X's and O's coaches. It's kind of like uh, I would, I would call Mike Young, like a tactician. I think Chris Mack is like this in some ways too, where like, every play he's trying to steal a basket from you, you know? And, and whereas Tony Bennett, it's all about reading the defense, you know, like we're, we're doing the same thing over and over again in a lot of cases. And we're, we're just, you know, going to wear you down and read the defense. And, and whereas uh, Bill self is like this too, it's like, uh, it's just a different style where the plays themselves, they have counters They you know, they're running uh-huh. a scripted play to uh-huh. try to steal a layup or steal a three. Uh, and so out of a timeout, you, you want to watch Bill Self or Mike Young, you gotcha. know, like, whereas, whereas Virginia kind of does what they do. And, you know, I definitely appreciate both of them. Uh, and that's part of what makes college basketball so much fun to me is that there are these different styles. Awesome. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us, man. This has been, it's been great to, to break down kind of what, what to expect and what to look for as, as we watch the the games from Virginia this year. Um, I know uh, the, some of the products you put out there that the annual NCAA tournament Bible has won me many a dollar, uh, both in my, my <laughs> tournament pools and in Vegas. We're uh, so, legal. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, come on now. Um, so I, I hopefully knock on wood, there will be an NCAA tournament this year to, to have that Bible for again. Uh, but tell folks where they can find you on, on different platforms and, and what all you're putting out there. Yeah. So my Twitter account is hoopvision68. Um, that's kind of the, the main place to go. I'll, I'll tweet out anything that's on a different platform. You know, I'll still, I'll still tweet out a link. So um, if you are interested in in Virginia and just college basketball as a whole, X's and O's and analytics, for sure, Hoop Vision 68. And then uh, we also have a newsletter, uh, which Virginia was was one of the main topics in last Friday's. Uh, it's the, the Friday um, 
edition is free for, for everyone. And that is uh, hoopvision.substack.com. It's Highly up. recommend. We'll, we'll, we'll drop some links in the post when we uh, publish, put this up on the blog too, so folks can find you directly. For sure. For podcast I appreciate being you guys a, podcast being a famously visual medium. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the X's and O's breakdown may be a little bit easier for, for folks to see in GIF form or, or something else you put out there. Do you say GIF? Jordan, you use so many of them. Do you say GIF or GIF? I say both. I really don't have, I, I don't, I, sometimes I'll say, sometimes I'll say literally, I'll say GIF or GIF, like in the same, you know, like I, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I love it. All right. Well, Jordan, thank you again. Uh, we're very appreciative of the time and the analysis is super, super exciting to see uh, what the Who's are able to, to put out there this year and, and hopefully it works out. And hopefully this uh, highlights maybe some of the intricacies for you guys who are listening and, and want to get an idea of some of the changes. So Jordan, thanks again. Yeah, thank you guys.